When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is WrestleWolf, I'm Damian Gibson, and this is our AEW review for the week. Joining me, as always, is the mystery, the enigma, it's Matthew. Hi. Hey, man. We just had a really stilted, weird conversation because we both wanted to talk about this show so bad and couldn't, so it was just this weird, it was like two exes seeing each other in the street. (laughs) Well, we've just, like, it's, uh, we're back in lockdown, like, we just had another like nearly 300 cases of COVID. So I think like mm. all we want to talk about is wrestling. Victoria, not you and me. We don't have 150 cases of not each. COVID no. each. No. That's riddled with this. That would be bad. Um, I probably shouldn't be making jokes about that, should I? No, probably. Anyway, probably not. <laughs> um, sorry, everyone. All right, let's get into Fighter Fest uh, Night 2, Part 2. Part du, uh Kings of Mykonos. And um, I suppose we just start from the start, right? There's so much to talk about in this episode. This could go for like two hours. <laughs> I, I, just, I just want to pause for a second. And most mm-hmm. people go for a really easy joke with part twos and they yeah. go for electric boogaloo. Yeah. Um, you just went for the most obscure possible reference. Yeah. Is, that's the second one, boy, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, it is. I don't even yeah. know if I should be saying Wogboy on a on a, in the current times of cancel culture. It, it is, is the a, name of a movie. It's the name of a movie. If you have a problem with it, you should take it up with Nick Giannopoulos because uh, he's the guy who makes these movies. But anyway, the Sorry. the it's the WB <laughs> two uh, Kings of Mykonos. Um, the only reason that that sticks in my head is because <laughs> there was a time where uh, I was in a play. Uh, Matthew, which is weird in itself, and uh, we were driving back. We did this at the LA Fringe Festival, and we were driving back. We were, we invented a game where we put Kings of Mykonos on the back of sequels to movies that hadn't happened yet. So, like, uh, Jaws 2, Kings of Mykonos. It, like, it's just a boring car game, but it's we did it for eight hours, so it's now. <laughs> so, whenever anyway. Whenever a sequel comes up, that's the first thing that comes into my head is Kings of Mechanos. <laughs> anyway, the first match <laughs> on this week's show was Private Party. Um, <clears throat> Mark Quinn and Isaiah Cassidy 
accompanied by Matt Hardy to make up uh, Hardy Party. I don't think that's catching on. I, Hardy Party. No, it, ha- uh, well, it hasn't for me. <laughs> challenging the AEW World Tag Team Champs, Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page, with the titles at stake. That's what a title match is, AEW notes. <laughs> um, this, for me, and this is going to be really harsh, but it was probably my least favourite thing on the of the night. Actually, second second least favourite. Um, that's a bit of sizzle for later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I really liked it, but there was so much stuff on on this show that I did like, especially from like a story point of view. Mm. Um, I felt like this was, hey, here are these young guys who are going to be fed to the champs, and um, you know, in six twelve months they'll be. Maybe this match will happen again, and it'll show the progression of Private Party. But for now, it was just this felt like uh, spot a mania. You know? Yeah, like I think uh, it was probably the right decision to keep the uh, titles on Page and Omega at this stage. Uh, and Private Party looked great, and as you said, in six months that they'll probably be tag team champions, and that's great. But like, it, it doesn't hurt them to lose this one. But yeah, it was a little bit. A little bit sort of boring, a little bit paid by numbers. Yeah, I just think with anything, um, I actually thought that Private Party wrestled better than I've seen them wrestle. I know that sounds really weird talking about it like they're a footy team or something, but it genuinely felt like they were tighter than they had been before. There's been a few sort of botched spots and stuff with them previously that they've got a lot of, not a lot, but a bit of criticism about. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they're green, brother, brother. So, uh, you know, they're going to improve all the time. And I thought this was a good example of that. But it, it, you're right. Like, when Hangman and Page are involved, unless they're going up against FTR or the Young Bucks at the moment, mm. they're winning, right? So there is that kind of thing of like, okay, well, this will be a good match, but I know what's going to... It takes all the suspense yeah. out of it. And, and I think probably, like, the st- it started quite slow and it sort of felt a bit like, uh, okay, like, how long is this going to go? What's it exactly going to be? And the end was quite, I thought the end was quite good. Mm. Um, but it, I think it did take them a little bit of time um, to actually get into the match proper. Yeah, it did. It probably didn't go as long as um, I thought it might have. So I was kind of like... When it finished, I was like, oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's still, there are those little notches of um, or little bits of storytelling of, you know, Kenny getting the save for Hangman. And, that you know, that can be, that, that keeps that sort of, you know, Kenny the face, Hangman slowly turning into the heel. Uh, oh, by the way, this is my, uh, I'm almost 100% convinced of this, um, mm. that, that Hangman Page is going to turn heel really soon like as soon as they drop the tag team belts he will be the heel in this thing that he has with kenny um and i also think he's going to join the four horsemen you've been pushing this uh for some time that there's going to be a four horsemen renewal that's happening that's a hundred percent happening and i've got evidence of it later on in the in the night so that's even more sizzle to keep listening. <laughs> that, well, they've uh, got Arn and Tully, so they could do an actual. They're pretty close to an actual four horsemen. Well, yeah, but I mean, they, they they're just the man. They're the managers of the new horsemen. You know what I mean? 
Mm. They, they just that that gives them, um, <laughs> you know, they're they're a genuine four horsemen deal if those two are there. So they're like the four horsemen two kings of Mykonos. Kings of Mykonos, exactly. See, you got it. You got it. <laughs> uh, Private Party tried to finish this off match off with the gin and juice. Uh, Kenny blasted uh, Cassidy with the V trigger knee. Uh, Hangman smashed Quinn to the mat with an avalanche Liger bomb. Um, and then the champs used their last call combo. I didn't realize that was called the last call until I was looking at the notes. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty I don't, cool. I don't pay that much attention for someone who runs a wrestling thing. I don't pay that much attention to like uh, names of moves and stuff like that. So I, I don't, I just don't notice it. I don't know why. I pay more attention to like ring gear than I do. Then I think that's probably re- you know the arts degree in me. That's like, you know, <laughs> oh, there's some pretty tights. Um, <laughs> next up, we had the Murderhawk Monster. AEW calling him Murderhawk Monster. Wasn't he just the Murderhawk a couple of weeks ago? It's not a good nickname, is it? It just gets bigger every week. Well, he's not, mur- <laughs> like, he hasn't actually murdered anyone that we've seen. Like, if they're no. going to do these, like, little cinematic cutaways, like, they should just literally have him, like, luring people into the woods and, mm. like, the, you know, then coming out and, you know, like, I mean, I mean, I guess NXT already has an actual serial killer. Well, yeah, who is my favourite thing on NXT, <laughs> uh, which I cop so much shit for. But, um, yeah, no, he, uh, so you're saying he should dress up like a hawk and murder someone and then he can have the nickname Murder Hawk. Yes, that's what okay. I'm saying. <laughs> Well, otherwise it doesn't make sense. Like, Joey Janela, as we've discussed at length, you believe he has been a bad boy. Mm. Um, (laughs) Whereas I'm not accepting murder unless I see murder. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Show me, don't tell me. That's It's just good storytelling. Yeah, it's good storytelling. You're right. Uh, Murderhawk Monster Lance Archer with Jake the Snake Roberts uh, versus the Burnt Boy. Uh, Joey Janela. Um, it's Justin Roberts who's the ring announcer, right? Yeah, I think so. It, it's the way he says bad boy as well that does not help. Yeah, it doesn't help. He Nothing is a bad boy. Joey Janela. It's like, oh, what do you What does Justin Roberts know that the rest of us don't know? I don't. I think the answer to that is nothing, and we all know. <laughs> does it? Does it make as a, as a, another side note? I'm really, I'm really derailing today. But does it make you it feel a little bit uncomfortable seeing Jake Roberts with the whole uh, Corona thing going on? It makes me feel he's he's a bit mm. old, and he looks old. Yeah, there's a lot of this happening on both mm. brands, right? That like. You know, even Arn and Tully, I mean, they're not babies. Um, no. You know, like, um, and then Ric Flair keeps being, like, Ric Flair is now, like, Randy Orton's manager on SmackDown, I think it is, or Raw? No, Raw. Um, and, you know, Rick like, died two years ago. Like, his heart stopped. And <laughs> so, like, uh, not to make light of that, but he did. And so, like... Um, that's why everyone loved that photo of him wearing that T-shirt saying, I'm not dead yet, motherfucker, when <laughs> when he, like, lived. Um, anyway, I, yeah, I agree with you. It, it, it does sort of – there's this weird thing that happens with me with both brands where, like, 
I will get upset about something. But then because I love wrestling so much, I, I forget about it. <laughs> and then because the match starts, right? And I'm like, ooh, wrestling. And then <clears throat> and then once the show finishes, I get angry again. It's this weird <laughs> thing where, like, even with Drake Maverick on NXT, where I've been like, oh, God, no, why? Why are they still pushing this storyline? And then the match will start. Like, this week, Bree Zango came out, and I was like, huh, cool. I like Bree Zango. They're funny. And then <laughs> watched the match for five minutes, and afterwards was like, oh, NXT. Um, <laughs> But I, I, yeah, they, I don't know. I feel like Jake, the Snake, I feel like Jake, the Snake really does uh, heighten Lance Archer's character. Well, he's, you know? he essentially is like, other than making the workplace generally unsafe for people, like Jake Roberts is the character for Lance Archer. Like, and when I say making the workplace uns- unsafe, I mean, ironically, not uh, the corona thing, I mean the grabbing people who aren't contracted wrestlers, which, skipping forward a little bit, if Lance Archer's allowed to literally beat up production staff, then mm. surely Big Swole c- uh, kidnapping wrestlers is sort of fine. Like, at least, <laughs> at least they know, like, they have, they're wrestlers, they have to have watched wrestling at some point. Yeah. So they have to know that there's going to be kidnappings, potential sacrifices, um, children involved, uh, like you're going to get hit by a car almost certainly. Like the rate of profession by car, <laughs> like random car attack, yeah. is just like extraordinary. So Britt Baker had to know. Yeah. Is all I'm anyway. No, but but they, they did kind of address that by saying that Britt, had gone um, and uh, campaigned or, you know, politicked with the AEW brass. <laughs> I love how they I love how they talk about the AEW brass. Like, we don't know who's in charge. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're like, you mean Tony Khan and the elite, right? That's, you know. But I do yeah. like that they don't sort of say that all the time, that it's not. And it, an every show thing. doesn't, yeah, every show doesn't start with Tony Khan doing a 19-minute promo about why he's better than the wrestlers. <laughs> um, I liked this match. I thought I've heard some criticism of it, not of uh, Joey Janela getting too much in in this. Um, but as I was saying to you last week, it, to me it makes no sense that uh, they would push that tag team so much of Joey Danella and, and Sonny Kiss and then have him get absolutely decimated. You could just, you could get any enhancement talent to do that. You could get someone off dark to do that. So I was really happy that Janella yeah. got some, you know, didn't look completely weak in this match. And also I think like we've talked about this at length where like the, when you do do that, when you push the the monster uh, or the murder hawk or the, you know, the big beast person, it looks better for them as well, right? Because they've still won. And I think it, I it looked like, enough, like... No, I, I felt it looked like Janela looked gutsy and looked like, you know, he sort of looked like a better version, of a more realistic version of Marco Stunt. Like, mm. you know, Janela could very easy, easily have a really cool sort of Razor Ramon one, two, three kid program. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And people could really get behind him. Yeah, for sure. I thought there was um, 
A couple of things that I liked as well, a little, you know, sort of flourishes that I was like, oh, that's cool, is um, Lance Archer coming out with Sonny Kiss at the beginning of the match and essentially throwing Sonny Kiss hmm. um, at Joey Tanella. Like, I'm going to throw my your tag team partner at you, your little pipsqueak. Hmm. <laughs> I really like that. And I also like the sort of Steven Spielberg direction of Jake... Uh, of Damien, the snake. Yes. Like, you don't have to get the snake out. We all know there's a snake in that bag, but just the fact that it's there, that that was the thing as a kid that used to stress me out all the time about Jake the snake (laughs) was just that the bag was there. It was rare that, like, I feel like he saved the snake for pay-per-views and stuff, right? I I don't seem to remember him getting it out all of the time. Look, I'll make the... um... I'll make the commitment to go back and watch every single episode of Superstar over <laughs> and report back next time. Well, I am watching uh, WCW, the show, because that's what NWA's show was called, was World Championship Wrestling. Oh, that's such a that's a great decision by you. Um, from 1985 to 1989. So I just watched Starcade 85, actually. So if anyone's looking for a match to watch this week, uh, Dusty Rhodes versus Ric Flair at Starcade 85 is absolutely classic. Pretty amazing. And uh, yeah, I think I spoke about this on the NXT episode as well. Just like the commentary is so great because there's times where they just don't say anything. It's amazing. And you've got like, you you, you witness, you know, Jim Cornette at his height. Um, yeah. Arn Anderson was, was on, he was Starcade, he was in Starcade 1985, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, the, well, the two Andersons. I can't remember. There's so many. There's it so was, many people on the bill where I'm like, oh, there were probably about six or seven wrestlers that I knew, and then a whole bunch of wrestlers that I like, or I or wrestlers that I'd heard their name but never really seen them hmm. wrestle before. It was like that generation before Nitro, where you you would hear their names mentioned a lot, but you know, um, and got an arm wrestling match. No, there wasn't. But there was a lot of blading, that's for sure. Almost every match ended with someone with just blood all over them. <laughs> um, I also yeah. want to um, shout out Kip Sabian um, in the audience of this match, keeping <laughs> keeping up with the summery party vibe of wearing socks with sandals. <laughs> I don't know that if anyone the- else noticed that, but he is the resident Brit on the, on the roster, and uh, we all know... That's how English people dress in the summer. It might be the best thing he's done in AEW so far. <laughs> um, yeah, so as we said, uh, the Murder Hawk monster got the win, but I think Joey Janela looks all right out of this. But I want to see more of Janela and, and um, Sonny Kiss as a tag team. Yep, agreed. Uh, we had a little uh, Darby Allen clip of him at Pipeworks, I think, uh, like <laughs> fall, falling off a platform into some foam. Uh, was- he mumbled something about a coffin drop and then like this cool rad dude, like Poochie <laughs> from The Simpsons, was like, all right, man, you ready to go? Uh, <laughs> and then Darby <laughs> Allen like fell off a platform and uh, that was it. And I'm starting to dislike Darby Allen because of these vignettes. I don't know about you. Yep, it 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 really has the uh, 
opposite intended effect. Like if this had have been 2001 and like, you know, there was Tony Hawk and whatever, I might I might be sort of engaged because I, you know, was playing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater on PlayStation 1. Yeah. But uh these these do not do anything for me. No. At all. What what happened to the like r- sort of you know French art house films that he was making? You know what I mean? Well, like he well, was- here's the thing though, right? Like specifically, I can't think of the person that's like shit. I want to see like Darby Allen at Pipeworks, <laughs> but maybe we were the only people who wanted to see like. Darby Allen as directed by Ingmar Bergman. <laughs> Probably. Probably. But I wanted to see those surrealist, you know, like mm. almost like a, he'd made a film clip for a Tom York solo album. Like that's, <laughs> I, w- I wanted to see that side of, I don't want to see, you know, I mean, last week where he did like the backflip back onto his skateboard and stuff, like that's cool, but you know. Well, why can't he do like a thing with Werner Herzog? Exactly. Like you know exactly. that the, the the greatest like line from a from a <laughs> from a from a documentary that could like then be uh, moved over to to wrestling is the Werner Herzog Grizzly Man. Uh, I discover no kin- kinship, no understanding, no mercy. I see only the overwhelming indif- indifference of nature. Like, how has that not been said by Jake the Snake Roberts in a Lance Archer promo? <laughs> like. Yeah. Anyway, if you're um, – look, we know that Darby Allen's a big fan. If you're listening, Darby, we want more art house, less skate house, man. All right? That's, that's so just... much less. Uh, now, I'm not, I'm not going to say anything here uh, because this is your segment. This is become, You've made this your segment. Tony Skiavone interviewed the machine <laughs> Brian Cage – and his mentor, Taz, in the ring. Look, uh, I was very excited to see this. Uh, it was renegade shit, uh, as, Taz, as Taz said. <laughs> I will admit to feeling slightly concerned that uh, by giving Brian Cage the FTW title, that may mean he will not uh, <laughs> physically consume John Moxley uh, next week, mm-hmm. uh, which concerns me. Mm-hmm. Um, Taz is great on the mic. Uh, I'm Obviously, there was nothing they could do and they did the right thing. Um, I didn't really need... This is a, the first criticism I've ever had of Brian Cage and I feel oh so God. uncomfortable about it. I didn't need this in particular. Like, I think, like, had they just done a promo, um, would have been fine. Like, it was cool to see the FTR belt. Um, and, like, you know, I don't know if Brian Cage really needs to be walking around with the FTR belt. FTW. With F- Sorry. Good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I'm with you. Uh, and, like, you know, is he going to do what Sabu did and, like, Sabu did and put the uh, bit of tape over the top with Cage instead of Taz? Um like he he's walking around right now with with Taz, with Taz's title, with uh, someone else's catchphrase in "Who Better." Like it mm. might be time to just let him be. 
Brian Cage and uh, yeah. You just want to set him free. Yeah, I, I, I don't think he needs everyone else's accoutrements. Yeah, well, I mean, this is really, as much as you love Brian Cage, this story is about the ascent of Taz to the AEW championship. So it's not it's not about Brian Cage. <clears throat> it's about Taz finally being crowned as the heavyweight champion that he should have been. In and there we go. WWE. How, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you? Um, I really like this. I actually, like, I thought it was a cool... Um, it was a cool throwback for the people who knew they knew, you know what I mean? If you didn't, you could look it up, I suppose. Mm. But um, I, there was just something that I was like, yeah, that's cool. Like that's a cool, you know, let's say, and I know this is going to be hard for you to hear, but let's say that Brian Case doesn't win the championship next week. Yeah. Let's put um, in that fantasy world. <laughs> <laughs> um, he now has this, to help get himself even more over, um, you know, like just to be this dominant sort of machine, like use it in in the sense of like, well, you know, if you want to come and get this belt off me, you can, but you but you won't, sort of thing. Hmm. That's a that's a good point. That makes me feel slightly better about it all. Yeah, and look, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I, I just I, I like I'm I'm. I've never had any problem with Brian Cage. It's just been a getting to know you stage because I have not known him at all, really. Um, but Taz is doing some really, really good work. Like, it's, I look forward to his promo. <laughs> um, we're probably getting to the point, I agree with you, though, that we're probably getting to the point where we don't need it every week because it will start to lose its luster after a while. I, I want to be clear that I absolutely want to to uh, hear the promo this week. It, it was just, I was just a little bit like concerned. I, I am living in a state of concern that Brian Cage won't be the champion and AEW will lose me as a fan. <laughs> what? That's in fact, professional news. wrestling will lose me as a fan. So you're holding Tony Khan hostage, basically. Yep. <laughs> I guess. I don't know if the stakes are very high for him. <laughs> um <laughs> They are for me. <laughs> uh, well, I, I genuinely don't know how that match is going to go, and that's why I'm so sort of keen to to check it out. Um, I don't want to say that you're a coward by not taking a side, but you're a coward. Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> I genuinely don't. If you like, if you're going to force me into a corner, I'm probably going to be in Moxes because I really like. Remember how much I loved Dean Ambrose, man. I loved him. He was a lunatic asylum. You never knew what he was going to do next. Um, you, you knew it wasn't going to be good. It's like how you don't know what like Triple M is going to play next, and you're like, <laughs> I reckon I do. <laughs> oh, live! Mm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> There's a song I haven't heard in 25 years. Uh, coming up next, we've got a live triple play. Like, do they even have three songs? In, um, They're just going to play Dolphins Cry three times. Oh no! Yeah, I forgot about that. They did have that. Yeah, right. They did reemerge. God, um, I don't. Initially, I was very much like, <clears throat> "Mox can't lose this. There's no way." But I, mm. I don't know. With the with the momentum of like Taz's promo and Cage being on air more than Mox, 
I don't, they might put the belt on him, man. Cage being better than Mox. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's better and b- bigger and, and wrestles better. Exactly. That's right. Okay. He's never done anything involving a hot dog cart. Look, that's not... You can't hold... This is John Moxley, not Dean Ambrose. They're two very different people. They look exactly the same uh, and speak the same and have the same wife and, you know, but they're two completely different <laughs> characters. Uh, I I'm, love, I'm, sorry. I'm the kind of person that, like, when I, when I watch a movie, if it's a bad movie, I will never watch anything with those actors in it again. I'm, I'm, <laughs> and I'll blame them. I'll be like, yeah, well, people like Pulp Fiction, but fuck staying alive, so I don't watch that John Travolta shit. <laughs> oh, man, what a miserable existence you lead. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I don't watch anything unless... <laughs> I know. Just so disappointed. Oh, um I just wanted to point out how big assholes Brian Cage and Taz are being about John Moxley being a responsible <laughs> citizen as well. By the way, it's just like every week, look, where are you, Mox? Like, ah, uh, his wife had COVID, and <laughs> he's he's protecting everybody by not coming to work. And <laughs> I just, I kind of, there's this underlying dumb fuckery here with these two that just makes them even better heels as well. Every week they come in like, oh, not here again, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I really enjoy that. Um, next up, we had the eight-man tag team match, man. And we had uh, It's Us, Butcher and the Blade, uh, Lucha <laughs> Brothers uh, versus the Young Bucks and FTR. Um, man, where do we even start? Uh, this was very, very good. I the Well, the truck was back. That was the first thing that I noticed. So I was really worried that Butcher and the Blade weren't going to bring FTR's truck back, and they did. Thank um, God. They didn't show me after the match, though, whether FTR got their truck back. So I am still a little bit... I'm hoping that we get some sort of conclusion on that. I want the Butcher and the Blade to have the truck, or there to be a match specifically for Black for King's sake. <laughs> Fast and the Furious 10. <laughs> um... <laughs> um I I don't think I'll do this match justice if I try and go through it beat for beat. But there were there were so many things that happened. The the Ray Phoenix Nick Jackson spot where they essentially were jumping up the ropes one by one. Um, I don't, I don't even know. I, I can't. <laughs> this match would have got ten out of ten if I was doing it on my own. We're doing rating system. I was enthralled by. All of it. Um, I even thought Butcher, uh, you know, Butcher and the Blade were serviceable. You know, yeah, they, they were really they, good. They didn't, um, they didn't appear too out of place. Um, it helped me out, man. Here, because um, I, I want to go and say about nine different things at once, and I'm just not saying anything. <laughs> the. Uh... This match was potentially actually flawless. Um, like I thought the Bucks uh, and FTR actually were really good together. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's very, very clear that Nick Jackson is a lot better than Matt Jackson, um, which I never thought mm-hmm. I would have that strong an opinion about the Young Bucks. Um, mm-hmm. uh, 
FTR are the team that I least want to see out of the ring and most want to see in the ring. Yeah. Um, like they've got stupid names and poor personalities and I don't really, I'm never, I, like I just don't really care about them as characters at all. However, as soon as the bell rings, I just want to like see them and they're awesome. Uh, the Lucha Bros mm. are phenomenal and probably, you know, if if they if they're going to go with a heel team to be tag team champions, like you could do a lot worse than the Lucha Bros. Um, yeah. Pentagon's phenomenal. Ray Phoenix is phenomenal. Both of them could be solo, and it wouldn't be a problem. Butcher and Blade fit in, as you said. Uh, it's like Phoenix launching himself. Um, off Pentagon uh, to do a Canadian destroyer onto the floor mm. is maybe the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. It was, um, it, yeah, I, I popped pretty hard for that. In, in the sense of like, I didn't make any noise. I was just like, open mouth. <laughs> just, I was just sitting on the couch, open mouth, like, was such a phenomenal move that I didn't quite understand what I had seen. You know, mm. it was like when there's a when there's a really sharp sort of catch taken in a cricket match or a fast transition in a basketball game that ends with this you know phenomenal dunk or whatever, but it happens so quickly that it takes your brain like 15 seconds to catch up to what you've just seen and then you react to it and that's how <clears throat> special that move was um and i thought there was like a whole bunch of sort of storytelling in this that was quite that was spot on as well i really liked the mm. fact that butcher in the blade and and lucha brothers won because yes of the sort of i suppose miscommunication between ftr and the young bucks which carries that storyline on um now, I promised earlier that I was going to give you more evidence of the four horsemen coming at some point. And uh, it's a cash wheeler. It's cash wheeler, right? Yes. Um, did you notice how he was wearing a black glove on his left hand? Oh, God. This is, this is insane. Mm -hmm. You are, uh, you are, you have lost your mind. <laughs> what? I've just, look. They made a huge deal out of giving Sean Spears a black glove, right? And everyone was like, why? What, what is this? You know what I mean? And then like, okay, yeah, he's been using it as a gimmick and it's a heel gimmick from the 80s of like putting a steel rod in there and blah, blah, blah. But they were out there scouting and then Cash Wheeler had a black glove on as well. Uh but who is in your four horsemen? So now you've got it's FTR, FTR. Hangman Page. Oh no! But then Sean Spears is in it as well. Yeah, that's it. Or Cody, or take Hangman out and put Cody in there. Uh, why does Sean Spears have to be in there? Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to see Sean Spears. I know. Well, can't they have like Murderhawk Monster Lance Archer? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's going to be, it'll be four of those five guys for sure. As long as they don't have like, as long as it doesn't lead to Lance Archer versus Jake Strong. 
I'm okay. Jake Hager, sorry, I flew underground for a moment. <laughs> Has that happened? What? Has that match happened? Which one? Jake Hager versus Lance Archer? No. But does anyone want to see it? No, 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 no. That's why I thought they'd done it. <laughs> <laughs> no. Nah. God. Boy. That's when we're starting to see the the shark being jumped when mm. that's the headliner for dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> maybe for, you know, maybe for their um second show. Even yeah. I would be disappointed if that was the headliner of Dark. I would be, yeah, I would just be disappointed if it existed in, like, a house show and I had to know that it existed. <laughs> yeah, so after the Canadian Destroyer, uh, Matt tried to superkick Pentagon. Pentagon ducked and Matt inadvertently hit Dax Harwood. Uh, Pentagon and Phoenix grabbed uh, a shocked Matt Jackson, double-teamed him with a driver, and Pentagon scored the pin. So um, I, there, are, there was... Um, a moment where Ray Phoenix ran along the top rope and I think it was Dax Harwood, like punted Dax Harwood in the head. Mm. That you can't do that. You can't you can't be a human being and run along the top rope like it was a footpath. Uh do you do you think that like he does so many amazing things that you just sort of are like Oh, yeah, okay. Like, it's like when you watch, like, mm. Young Rey Mysterio and you're like, wow. But you're just like, yeah, he just, he does it all the time. It's fine. Yeah, after a while you get used to it. Definitely. I definitely. I think there's, when the sort of old-timers talk about too many high spots and all that kind of thing, they probably do have a point because it becomes that, it becomes that thing of, like, well, everyone's doing, you know, every single wrestler in the match does a suicide dive. So it's not special when you see it anymore it's just like it's just a move it might as well be a clothesline or you know um but there are still things that ray phoenix does that i'm just like what the fuck it takes me a while to actually comprehend how phenomenal it is you know like and dangerous as well yeah it just takes one um one false move and he's gonna hurt himself real bad um the most interesting man in wrestling, Alex Marvez, uh, then greeted Big Swole outside uh, as she approached the arena, and um, some woman that we've never seen before um, served <laughs> Big Swole. She said, "You've been served." So then I was like, "Oh, okay." So Britt Baker is suing Big Swole, but it was AEW serving like a disciplinary notice. I know in my role at work, if I had to take disciplinary action with one of my agents, I wouldn't walk over to their desk and be like, Matthew, you've <laughs> served. You know, you would have a conversation with them. There's a whole HR policy. Like, There would have been a HR person there. That's definitely the... Uh... But I think that woman was the HR person, the one that was like, oh, you've been served. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> Who knows how things happen in the States. But essentially, this uh, was set up for a later point in the match where, in the night where Big Swole somehow managed to get back into the stadium anyway. She put a mask <laughs> on and a hood and got back in. <clears throat> um, Which makes me concerned once again for they're saying like, oh, look, you know, we're totally like 
we're doing everything we can about corona and all this kind of stuff. But if people are able to easily break into the uh, stadium, then clearly they're not. Yeah, I know. Like, how poor is the security there? It was just like... <laughs> no, there's no one checking. You know what I mean? Anyway. Um, I guess her name on her license probably isn't Big Swole. No. <laughs> no, probably not. Um, yeah, so there was a scuffle. Uh, Britt Baker got sort of slapped in the nose by um, her henchwoman, whose name I'm forgetting off the top of my head. I should have made a note of it. Um, and Britt Baker sold it like she had been shot. Um, and that was our little sort of Britt Baker moment for the week where it was like, she's the best. She's the best. (laughs) Uh, guess what we had next? It was the native beast Nyla Rose and it was a squash match. So I assume judging by what we both said last week that no, neither of us really cared about this at all. Nah, like I thought the the match was good, but I didn't really care. It was a two on one squash match, which is, you know, I suppose it changes up a little bit. Yeah. To put a spin on it. <laughs> I, I think it's weird that she's like, I've hired a manager, but I'm not going to tell you who. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've got a manager. <laughs> uh, I heard Vicky Guerrero mentioned as a. I don't, yeah, hopefully it's not that. Yeah, I really don't want that. There are, there are a few things that cause, like, uh, some uh, traumatic memories when it comes to watching wrestling. And Vicky Guerrero as a GM on SmackDown is one. Um, just because she had a catchphrase and, of course, WWE just told her to say it 7,000 times, which was her just screaming, excuse me. And uh, her, Alberto Del Rio, uh, oh, man. God, uh, Jack was it Jack Swagger in WWE? Was that his name? Yes, we the people. Yeah, we the people. I hated that as well. God, it was all it was all around the same time as well. God, awful, awful. Anyway, um, I sort of hoped it'd be uh, Amazing Kong. Yeah, that'd be cool. awesome. Kong. I've, I've got the feeling it might be um, uh, Brandy Rhodes. Like, yeah, that'd make sense. Yeah, it'd be quite sort of dull, but still, you know, she cuts a good promo and yeah, I think she wants to get involved on screen more and that would make more sense. Uh, next up, we had a sort of um, a scene from earlier in the day where Colcabana was in the medical room with the worst bruise I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, that um, wasn't good, hey? No. And I don't remember the incident they were talking about either. Do you it must have happened on Dark. I watched Dark this week. It wasn't on it. Huh. Then no, I don't. No, it was weird. It was just like all of a sudden, like, anyway, it was, you know, they used it in a storyline. Um, so he was cleared by the doctors to wrestle, and then Brody Lee came in and said, oh, thank you for that, doctor. Um and then basically told Colcabana get ready, and Colcabana said yes, Mister Brody. Just and ebbing, they made a big deal. Even closer to joining the Dark Order. Um, <clears throat> I really liked this <laughs> match. I was really into it. 
Um, I'm a little bit biased because I really like Cold Cabana, but I I really enjoyed. Besides the SCU part of it, they were kind of inconsequential. Um, I really enjoyed Cold Cabana's sort of like naive child type persona that he was doing of like, what is going on? I don't really understand. Should I do this? I feel bad. Uh, And then the Dark Order just constantly essentially trying to make him feel good about himself. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, no, you pin him. Like they didn't seem very, I know their reasoning is evil because they want to get him into their Dark Order. (laughs) But it's- reasoning is evil. That's such a ridiculous phrase. It's true, but it's just, it sounds ridiculous. Like the reasoning is evil. It's it's usually the opposite. <laughs> but in this match, everything that they were doing was quite nice. They were trying to protect Colt because of his injury. They kept, you know, every time there was an opportunity to pin one of the SCU, they were like, you, go, you do it, man. You go for it. Um which I thought kind of took away from the evilness of Brody Lee a little bit, but I mm. really enjoyed Cole Cabana's whole like "what happened" type persona in this moment, where he like everything was happening around him. He had no agency whatsoever. All these sort of decisions were being made for him, and he was just sort of stuck in this whirlwind of things that were just happening to him. Um, and I I love this kind of bullshit. Like, I love, you know, we've talked about this before. I love factions. I love, like, will he, won't he. I, I really I really enjoyed this. Yeah, I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. I thought the match was good. Cole Cabana, Cabana is, like, really good in the ring. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's also, like, he's just, yeah, he's just a real, he's just naturally good on camera. It's strange how some people... I mean, I know he's worked for a long time, but it's just, to me, it kind of feels like he's just come straight onto national television and it just suits him. Um, yeah. So I don't expect him ever to be, you know, a two-year reigning AEW heavyweight champion or anything like that, but I'm, I'm always happy to see him, you know. Yeah, he's good. Uh, yeah, I agree. I know you're not overly keen on Dark Order or SCU, so this probably would have been... Yeah, it was just like, I was like, "Ah, I don't need this match very much, but, you know, it's fine. (laughs) It's strange that it was the second last match of the night. I suppose it was probably for a pacing, to sort of bring the pacing down a little bit for the the headlining match. Well, it certainly succeeded in doing that. Yeah, well, we had freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy... uh, Initially accompanied by best friends uh, versus Le Champion, Chris Jericho with uh, Santana and Ortiz. Um, Orange sent the best friends back uh, before the match even began. Uh, Jericho had Floyd the baseball bat with him. Um, and then we're off. The bell rang. Uh, Orange Cassidy put his hands in his pockets and then headbutted Jericho, and we were off to the races. Um, I. I'm actually glad that we didn't record straight after watching this because if we did, I would have been so sour and I would have been, I would have been like, dude, it was shit. It was shit. You talk about it, Matt. Um, <laughs> now, now that I've had a few days to calm down and be an adult uh, about it, <laughs> um, I really enjoyed the overall match. 
I suppose it's the right booking, right, for Jericho to win in the end, um, especially with all the help that he got from Santana and Ortiz. Uh, makes him look like even even worse heel than he already has, and it gives Orange a reason to be able to come back and say, you didn't win properly, man. I thought it was really good. Like, I think, like, it, Cassidy looked really good uh, and and Jericho looked good. Like, he, Jericho looked like a evil super heel, which is ideal. But I think, like, Cassidy looked really awesome and, like, a threat yeah. to anyone. Like, he nearly beat the best wrestler that AEW's got other than Brian Cage. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I... I think it's a testament to how much I was into this storyline and into this match that when Jericho won, I literally out loud went, what? Uh, and then was like, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you got me. Like, you got me in 100%. And I'm still I'm starting to get upset again just talking about this. I want Orange Cassidy to beat Jericho so bad. Um and I think they know that. I think they know that people are, are into it. And um, and so the, the correct booking, as usual, with AEW uh, happened on this. But it doesn't mean that the seven-year-old that sits right in the middle of my soul wasn't really sad and upset for 24 hours after Orange Cassidy lost. And that's fair. But uh, <laughs> hopefully, like, this, this program's not over, right? I hope not. Like Cassidy coming out with the bloodstained shirt and like having like coming out with Trent and Chucky and like taking the shirt. Like I thought it was really well done. Yeah, this all three of these guys are um I wanna see more of. Like in the last sort of basically since we've had the, the pandemic going on, these three have really elevated um when they've been given the opportunity. They'd almost have to be considered top guys in the company now. Yeah, absolutely. Like, well, I think Cassidy, I'm surprised they went all in with him without the crowd because um, mm. I thought it was, like, very clear that they were sort of testing the waters and the crowd were getting into it. And I was concerned that they were just going to think, well, like, you know, we don't know what the result of it. Like, he's a, he's a risk. It's a massive risk. Mm. And it's awesome. Like it's, I don't like. I, it feels like we're not the only two people in the world that think that he's amazing. And no, like a character like his offers so many unique storytelling opportunities. Oh, most definitely. And also, like he can go in the ring. Like he is a really good wrestler. Like he ha- you have to be a good wrestler to be able to do what he's doing. You know what I mean? Like you would have yeah. to learn. Like, it's like being a good writer or a good guitarist or whatever. Like, you have to learn how to do it properly so you can take things away in a sort of different alternative avant-garde kind of way, you know? Um, Yeah. And, yeah, that's what Orange Cassidy is. He's like an avant-garde wrestler. (laughs) He's doing this weird, he's doing this weird kind of, I don't even know, you would, what the fuck do you call it? Sloth wrestling? Like, you know? Like his his frog splash or splash or whatever it was was so cool and so well done, and yeah. so hard to not actually physically kill someone by doing that. Um, yeah, it's just everything he does is so impressive and seems so difficult. Yeah, I love him, but and was genuinely 
genuinely upset that this match <laughs> uh, ended the way that it did. But um, yeah, so that was the end of uh, Fighter Fest, uh, and now we go straight into um, Fight for the Fallen. Yeah, another pay per view event. Um, I quite like the doing the like the like doing sort of different. Um, like you know, you, obviously you don't want to do it every week like they're doing at the moment. But the um, it, it fight for the fallen is a very good cause, so I don't think we should complain about that one. But um, the having sort of the different um, you know, ring aprons and stuff is is good. Like it's visually mm. interesting, at least. Yeah, oh, I don't I don't mind it. It's um, it's a bit it's old school, right? Like the stuff would like that yeah. would happen all the time, and um, I don't mind it. I think the only thing that happens is that it like it probably propagates this fucking Wednesday night war more than, you know, I'm kind of sick of hearing about it, especially yeah. that NXT have started winning in the ratings the last couple of weeks. And it just becomes. Well, that's, I mean, you know, and, and, uh, you know, NX, NXT have announced that they'll be doing NXT uncensored next week. And then, uh, road wild the week after. And, uh, you know, sin the week after that. Oh, I thought you were serious for a second. <laughs> Unbelievable. Imagine if, they did Imagine if they did Road Wild. Imagine <laughs> that. Because you could in the state, like you could in Florida, right? Like you could. Yeah. There's nothing stopping you from doing that. I just want them to do like, I just, I just want them to do like New Blood Rising and you know NXT greed, NXT sin, like the really bad late like two thousands, just to like really piss Cody off. If they did, uh, yeah, do anything to do with Dusty. If they did something like Cyber Wednesday, you know, th- th- I would, I'd be interested in that. You know, yeah. But um, anyway, this is an AEW podcast, yes. not an NXT one. I thought um, I just want to point out this is a JR moment for the week. Um, hmm. In that match, he they were going to a picture-in-picture picture ad break, and he was like, we're going to a picture-in-picture picture ad break. Uh, make sure while you're in the ad break, you play along with the hashtag <laughs> Riderfest. I was like, cool. I'll play along with them. <laughs> just play along with them. Just play along with them, man. <laughs> he, he's a constant reminder that, uh, that we will all die. <laughs> and we will all become what we hated, um, <laughs> which I think I think is important. Like I think mm. you know, we need more Nietzsche in uh, in in um in wrestling. In Just quickly, given yeah. given we've got uh, fight for the fallen, I I enjoyed going through the card for Fighter Fest. So I'm going to quickly. There's been four matches announced, and yeah. I want to hear what you think. Uh, so we've got the elite which uh, is made up of Kenny Omega, Matt Jackson, and Nick Jackson, mm-hmm. which is pretty elite. It's not the, like, Matt Hardy, Cody, Matt Jackson version of the elite um, versus Jurassic Express uh, yeah. in a 16 tag match. That's that's going to be phenomenal. Have they they've wrestled before? Those I don't know. I don't know if all six of them have been in the ring before. I don't know if they have an AEW at the very least. Yeah, mm. no, that that in itself would be a match where I'd be like, "Oh, Dynamite would be good this week." Yeah, uh, so and I think the Elite are going to win. Uh, yeah, well, of course, it's their company. Yeah, and like they probably need to win sometimes. Yeah, 
Yeah, the, the Young Bucks probably do need a win, but I also do. I think uh, Jurassic Express probably do as well, right? They haven't. Yeah, they've lost the last couple, so it'll be interesting to see what they. And to be fair to the Bucks, they do put a lot of people over. They don't. Yeah, they, they do. They lose quite a bit. So as much as I, I don't like their little Christian AF faces. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll go. I'm going to go with Jurassic Express just because that's who I want to win. I like it. Uh, then we've got FTR versus Lucha Bros, which is going to be insane. FTR have to win this, right? Just from a storyline point of view, Lucha Brothers got the win this week. So they don't look weak if they lose against FTR. Um, and is it FTR's? Se- it's only their second proper match, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, um, so it should be really good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it'll be an amazing match. I'm going to go with FTR. Even I, you know, I would actually kind of prefer Lucha Brothers to win, but I'm going to go with FTR. I'm I'm going to go with Lucha Bros because I know that they will lose, but I want them to win. Um, Cody versus Sunny Kiss. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Cody. <laughs> yep. I think that's right. It it should be good. Yeah. Um, I'm interested to see that. Yeah, for sure. I like that Cody's just doing the like yeah, just wrestling good wrestlers. Mm. Um, and uh, the last match, John Moxley versus Brian Cage. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Brian Cage. I'm going to say Brian Cage. <laughs> I, I feel like you only said that because you knew that, like, there would be no uh, Wog Boy 3 if uh, <laughs> I would just have had such a massive tantrum about uh... No, no, I just... I don't know. I don't. I don't know if the show has suffered without Mox as a champ. That's really harsh. But I don't know if it has. I mean, ratings would just suggest it has a little bit. Um, but look, he, he. I don't know. It's been what six months of him having the belt. Yeah, it just feels like it's a little stagnant at the moment. And if he was to win again, um, AW feel like a company who are willing to take those risks. Let's mm. put the belt on Brian Cage, see what happens. Let's make Mox chase Cage, you know, because this this storyline has been, it's been stop-start because of the pandemic, but mm. when it's when it has got going, it's been good. Like the, the, you've, got, yeah. you've got good promos, you've got big guys who beat the shit out of each other. Um, and knowing through mates of mine who got into NWA because of that, that's people want to see matches like that. They want to see big, beefy boys beating the shit out of each other. And I think you could quite easily keep it going but have the belt on the heel rather than yeah. the face. Absolutely, and I think it opens up sort of other options with, you know, like Moxley's better when he's having a blood feud with someone. You don't really need to have a title to have a blood feud with someone. Um, mm. Like I'd be into, there's all, like almost any... Uh, combination of like, like the I, I would love to see Pentagon against Moxley, like things like that. That you oh, sort yeah. of is Pentagon could... sort of uh, slowly creeping up as one of your favorites. You mentioned him a lot. I really like him. Yeah, I like him like, too. I, I liked him a lot in uh, Lucha Underground. Yeah, same. 
But you just and have so, these, like, I, I noticed, like, just with myself as well, you have these, like, Orange Cassidy was one of these guys where, like, all of a sudden I was like, like, the wrestler next door. You just sort of, like, they take their glasses <laughs> off and, like, put their hair down. You're like, oh, my God, I'm in love with you. And you don't notice. And happens. ironically, we, we had actually made a bet where if you could get Orange Cassidy uh, to go to prom with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know, right? And um, but then he found out about it and got really upset. And then, but you know, but then I like went to him and I was like, no, but I actually really love you. And then he was like, oh, okay. And then yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and then Ducky got left at the, on the <laughs> dance floor. Um, I I didn't run this past you, um, but I just thought we could really quickly before we wrap up go through the rankings because it's not something that it's something that's very unique to AEW, and it's not something that gets mentioned as much. Um, but I thought it's kind of interesting to see where wrestlers are at. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, just sort of make little comments on it. So I thought we'd start. We've just got we've got the rankings of for the tag teams, women's and men's. So it, it'll be really quick. Yeah. Um, so obviously, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page are the champs. Now this is going from five to one as far as contenders are concerned. So uh, fifth on the rankings are. Um, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, Jurassic Express. Marco Stump yep. must feel a little bit left out there. Um, fourth, we've got the Young Bucks. Uh, Luchasaurus are four and one for the year. Young Bucks are fourth, and they're four and two. Private Party are third. Hmm. Uh, best Friends are second. And the Dark Order, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson, are number one contenders. That's, uh, I mean, I guess it makes sense. I'm surprised by it. Yeah, and they're um, seven and zero. They haven't lost a match. Goodness me, I did Have not you know seen that. Seen them wrestle? They, they must all be on dark. Yeah, I, I mean, and both of us watch dark, which makes it more confusing that we haven't. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? But no, I haven't, and uh, that makes sense, I guess. Yeah, but it also kind of suggests that at some point in the, you know, they've got a Dark Order versus Elite, you know, storyline in the chamber ready to go, I suppose, as well. Great. <laughs> All right, women's rankings. Number five, we've got Britt Baker. Uh, number four, Chris Statlander. So that's two women that you're not going to see for a while, unfortunately. Uh, number three is the super bad girl, Penelope Ford. Um, number two is Big Swole, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, and number one is Nyla Rose. So obviously we're going to have a, a Hikaru. I mean, it was pretty obvious from this week that we would have a yeah. Hikaru and Nyla Rose um, angle, but that looks like they've got, you know, they've got an Excel spreadsheet to point to to show why. That's also yeah. happening. Um, and then the men's is pretty interesting. So there's two male champions, John Moxley and Cody, obviously. Number mm. five is Jericho. Okay. Uh, number four is Brody Lee with five and one. Uh, Lance Archer is number three with eight and one. So he's only lost yeah. the one match. That's, uh, I guess it makes sense. Number two contender is Brian Cage. 
and he's five and zero. And the number one contender is MJF. Well, yeah, I guess MJF has never lost a, a match and has been in more matches than Cage. Yeah, which also like it's a testament again to MJF who uses these kind of stats in his promos. It's like I'm the number one contender. And yeah, he is. <laughs> Well, that's the like he keeps making a point about Cody not facing him, um, which is a fair point to be made, Hmm. and uh, hopefully, um, that leads to MGF beating Cody for the championship when it's time. Yeah, um, I just want to see MGF all the time. Yep, agreed. Um, but yeah, man, I think we'd probably wrap it up there. We're at like an hour, so that's probably oh. enough for everyone. Thank you for listening. <laughs> yeah, people are. People are genuinely, I know every podcast on earth says this, but the like uh, we put episodes up on YouTube and um, people start listening to it on that. So, um, And a lot more people listening to the AEW episodes than the NXT episodes, so I think that is testament to yourself. Uh, Matt, and also that NXT is eh at the moment. <laughs> yep. Um, but anyway, yes, thank you for everyone for listening. Rate, subscribe, tell your friends, find us on the socials. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll be back next week with uh, I've completely forgotten the name of what the next pay per view dynamite is. Matt, what is it? Five for the Fallen. Five for the Fallen. We'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>